now back from space, three NASA astronauts have a new mission to help recruit the next generation of federal employees. A group of federal interns from several agencies heard from the astronauts at a launch event for a new federal internship experience program. Federal News Network's Drew Friedman was there and files this report. Offering federal interns more professional development opportunities throughout the summer is the immediate goal of that new internship experience program. But more long-term, the Office of Personnel Management, in collaboration with the Department of Interior, is hoping to jumpstart more federal careers at the end of the summer. As part of the new experience program, OPM and Interior will host events for government-wide interns, including memo-writing workshops, training sessions, and mentoring sessions. To launch the new program, OPM and Interior brought in some help from maybe some of the coolest federal employees in the universe. The members of NASA's SpaceX Crew-5, Nicole Mann, Josh Cassida, and Koichi Wakata. They all recently returned from a mission to the International Space Station. The astronauts told the interns about their journey, everything from the projects they took on, like growing fresh tomatoes in space, to what they did in their free time, where one astronaut alone can sequentially pitch, hit, and then catch the same baseball. But most of all, the astronauts encouraged the federal interns to open themselves to new experiences and go after opportunities as much as they can. Nicole Mann is the first indigenous woman from NASA to go to space. She says there's never going to be a perfect time to become an astronaut or a federal employee, but don't count yourself out. When you make that decision, first step one, apply, right? Because if you never do, if you count yourself out, if you're, you're nervous about failing or not getting that job, well, you're definitely not going to get it if step one, you don't fill out the application. And then step two, surround your people with people that love you and support you, whether that be family, friends, your community, your, your teachers. Um, you're not going to get there on your own. You're going to need those support people, and that's okay. Before landing a full-time career in government, many do start sooner with a federal internship. Josh Cassida, for one, was an intern for NASA, eventually working his way up to becoming an astronaut, Navy captain, physicist, and test pilot. Because I was an intern at NASA in 1994, I was uh, down at the Marshall Space Flight Center for a summer when I did uh, my research in physics. We were funded by the NSF, and that was working uh, through the Department of Energy. And then after that, I went to the Department of Defense. So I've been in a lot of different departments. My one piece of advice is just be curious. You know, if you think you know what you want to do, go ahead and, and look into it. But also look into other things, too. I mean, you're really young. I'm super envious, honestly. I'm sitting up here, and I'm telling you I'm envious. Uh, because you've got your entire life ahead of you. I have no idea what I want to do when I grow up, um, and I, I mean that. Uh, and so I would say stay really curious and, and go find that thing that you're really passionate about, and then do that, and then maybe some other things too. Currently, only 7% of the federal workforce is under age 30. OPM and Interior's new internship experience program is just one piece of a much larger puzzle trying to improve recruitment of younger federal employees. The effort comes after years of underperformance in the government's internship program. In an effort to revive the program, the Biden administration plans to hire 35,000 federal interns and has encouraged agencies to offer more paid opportunities. In January, the administration gave agencies guidance on best practices to better hire, incentivize, and retain early career federal employees, and that includes interns, fellows, and apprentices. Early career hiring is also a focus included in the first priority of the president's management agenda. OPM Deputy Director Rob Shriver has taken the lead on many of the early career recruitment efforts. Shriver spoke to the interns at the Experience Program launch event. Honestly, like, you would not believe how much we talk about you. Like, at all levels of government, the senior most levels that I'm involved in, we talk about interns all the time. Um, so how is it that we're putting you first? Well, first, uh, we at OPM, we are your champions uh, with agencies all across the government, and we're advocating every day about why they should hire more interns. 
Uh, because, you know, just because we think that agencies should hire interns, that doesn't mean that it automatically happens. So we try to help them understand why it's really important to have that pipeline of talent that starts with interns. We really want your experience to be fantastic. We have a new intern experience effort that we're leading from OPM, and today's event is part of that. We want you to come back, uh, whether it's for another summer or a job right after you finish your education or after you've spent a few years working in another sector, or even once you're an expert in your field, there's lots of opportunities. We want you to have a good experience, and we want you to want to come back. And so we are working to streamline those different pathways to make it easier to pursue a federal job no matter the stage of your career. There are so many diverse job opportunities in the federal government, like literally just about every kind of job you can imagine. The new internship experience program is far from the first step to revamp the internship program and to jumpstart early career hiring. Early career recruitment has remained a strong focus for OPM over the last several years. OPM, for instance, has recently finalized regulations on hiring authorities for college graduates and post-secondary students. Those aim to make it easier for agencies to hire employees at the start of their careers. The agency is also taking steps to broaden the Pathways Program and President Management Fellows Program to open the doors to more applicants. Right now, the Pathways program is mainly focused on recruiting four-year college students, but they're looking to expand that to include trade schools and community colleges, too. The common thread? Shriver says it's about communicating with agencies and interns about their firsthand experience in the internship program. We hear from this network um, about what's going on in this space, and then we, through that network, we're able to engage directly with interns, BMFs, recent grads. So that has certainly um, informed um, this program. We also um, work regularly with the agencies, through the Chief Human Capital Officer Council, and through all kinds of different levels. And so when we, and o- OMB has also been a great partner in this, and we're going to the agencies and saying, we need to do a better job with early career talent and interns, they are saying to us, okay, but this is what we need from you. So that's what has informed all of this. And of course, not every federal intern will become one of NASA's astronauts, but Nicole Mann left interns at the event with a bigger takeaway. You know, as a child, I didn't realize that I could be an astronaut. And so communicating that journey, I think, to the younger generation, uh, hopefully they can identify with a physicist from Minnesota, you know, or or a Japanese astronaut that had these aspirations when Japan didn't even have a space program. Um, So sharing that journey with people will hopefully inspire the young generation. It's an important part of our job. Drew Friedman, Federal News Network. Check out Drew's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Dr. David Wilson, president of Morgan State University. David has had a fascinating career and has garnered a long record of accomplishments from more than 30 years of experience in higher education administration. Came to Morgan State in 2010 from the University of Wisconsin, where he was chancellor of both the University of Wisconsin Colleges and the University of Wisconsin Extension. Before that, he held numerous other administrative posts in academia, including vice president for the University of Outreach, associate provost at Auburn University, and um, associate provost of Rutgers. And when we were talking earlier, too, you had just mentioned that you had a, um, a wonderful nomination at the American Academy of Arts and Sciences. And David, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Shane, it is indeed a pleasure uh, to be invited into this conversation with you. It's not in your um, in the short bio here, but I also know you served in some capacity in the Obama administration. 
Yes, I did. As a matter of fact, as I was leaving the University of Wisconsin, where I oversaw the UW colleges, I accepted the presidency at Morgan. And on my way into the presidency at Morgan in 2010, my name was advanced to President Obama to be considered as a member of his board of advisors on historically black colleges and universities. And so I accepted and served there for eight years during his two terms. Amazing. You've had a fascinating career at numerous universities across the U.S. How did you become passionate about the education field, and what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned? First of all, I was made aware of a quote by Horace Mann, who was great 19th century educator who really gave rise to public education in the United States. And he was the first to utter the phrase that education is the great equalizer. And why that resonated with me was because I grew up in abject poverty uh, in rural Alabama, and there was no law in Alabama as I was growing up that required black kids to go to school. I was kind of shut off from formal education on a consistent basis. I didn't get a chance to go to school full-time until I was in the seventh grade. We lived on property there that were owned by um, the white landowners. And so the um, owner of the property, a white woman, would bring down to this little shanty that we lived in, and she would bring Look and Life magazines. My mom, uh, she would make us as children plaster these pages of Look and Life magazines against the wall of this little shanty to keep the cold wind out. I would take a kerosene lamp and go around the walls reading those articles in Look and Life magazines, which is when I first came across the phrase of Horace Mann. Hmm. From that point on, I committed myself you know, to education. It's an amazing story, and two things occur to me. One, it's almost incomprehensible that this happened during our lifetime. That, to me, is uh, almost shocking. It's also truly inspiring that you recognized that you could do more and sought out to do that and were successful at it. So when you think back on that experience, how has that informed, shaped, influenced your leadership position now as president of Morgan State? It, It had to have had an impact, but how would you articulate that? So if you go back to that Alabama environment, what I saw, it was just so many people, my own brothers and sisters, who were 10 times smarter than I was. But my first five brothers were literate. They never got an opportunity to show the nation how brilliant they were. Therefore, I really took on this whole notion that my life had to be about ensuring that individuals who were drowning in potential and they didn't realize it would be in a position where they would realize it. I was never ever about positions that would enable me simply to replicate privilege. I don't care where you went to school. I don't care what type of family you came from. I think that's where sometimes we kind of get education wrong. Uh, We have institutions that want to define themselves based on how many students they don't admit. I'm about just the opposite, taking individuals who are absolutely stellar and don't realize it and bringing that into existence for them. You've had so many opportunities that you could do other things perhaps at 
um, larger organizations. But you're where you want to be on purpose, by design, for the kinds of reasons you just talked about, that it's, it's fulfilling. But can you talk a little bit more about that? There have been so many so-called top 50 institutions in the United States that have come aggressively after me. And you know, I flirted with a couple of them. And I went home to Alabama because these two were very serious. And my family is brutally honest with me, and they keep me grounded. So I flew down and began to talk with them about these institutions that were coming after me. I was thinking they would be impressed. And when I finished, my youngest sister said to me, now, are you finished? Clearly, we are not understanding why you would even consider leaving Morgan. It just reassured me that I'm living my purpose at Morgan. And it is joyful uh, to be at a place where you want to be versus being at a place where others think you should be. One question that I always have to ask, is there one leader or maybe a couple of leaders that have inspired you, that have, you mentioned Horace Mann, I don't know if, if that fits in this category, but what might be a couple of leaders that you remember that, that inspired you, that gave you a purpose, helped shape your life? In 1989, when I was selected as a W.K. Kellogg Fellow, we had to be introduced to leadership that was different in a lot of ways than the leadership that we had been exposed to. In February of 1990, uh, Mr. Nelson Mandela was released, and that's where I wanted to go and meet Mr. Mandela. We had no idea that he would grant an audience, and he did. He granted an wow. audience, and uh, Mr. Walter Sasulu did as well. So here I am, having grown up in Alabama, I harbored some anger toward the society there that kept me from realizing my potential and then kept so many others like me from ever realizing their potential. At the end of a conversation that we had, someone asked Mr. Sasulu, we're leaving this conversation thinking that you harbor no anger towards a society that locked you away for 27 years. Are we leaving with the correct conclusion? He said, I harbored no anger or bitterness towards a society that locked me away for all of those years because I and others like me knew that what we were doing was the right thing. If you commit yourself to doing the right thing, there should never, ever be any space in your heart for anger or bitterness. And that was transformational for me and why I respect and admire Mr. Nelson Mandela and Mr. Walter Sisulu today. That is a great story. And it you know, with all the accomplishments through your life, I'm sure it had a great impact on your ability to to go as far as you have, and you're still going. Well, uh, I, I have a takeaway in, in terms of leadership lessons I've learned. We would be well-served as a nation if I think we created these opportunities for young people at various stages to really, first of all, see the United States. And then we need that same opportunity globally. As a result, when you do that, you understand the history over here. You understand the culture over here. You understand, and you got to understand the world beyond an intellectual understanding. You want to think of your maturation in a way where your brain can never, ever, ever be hacked. <laughs> so that's sort of the way. That's sort I, of the I way that I kind of see all of that. That's you know? brilliant. <laughs>
and um, being born in rural southwest uh, Kansas, flyover country, as they say, I can I can tell you that your your comments about travel and getting out, not just reading about it, but actually traveling, it, it really is important. It's absolutely critical for someone's personal development. I I, I happen to think so. Well, Dr. <laughs> David Wilson, thank you so much. I love every single piece of today, but also your life story. It's really impressive, inspiring, and thank you for sharing it. Shane, thank you very much for inviting me to have this conversation with you again. And I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. We'll see you next time on the Lessons in Leadership podcast.